Hello and welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting in the year 2022. I'm one half of your host, Yael Osanski, coming to you from the home studio, Vienna, Austria. And I'm joined, as always, on the line by my colleague, David Clement. David, it's been a while. Love being able to catch up with you in the new year. How goes it? Yeah, it has been a while. A lot has changed. Um, it feels like we're back in January 2021 uh, with another lockdown pretty much here in Ontario with schools closed and restaurants closed for indoor dining and gyms closed and limits on in-person gatherings of more you can't have more than five people and yeah it's uh it's pretty dark times pretty dark times especially because i was really really getting into the into the groove of going to the gym as much as possible so not great yeah we can't we can't allow people to uh to have too much of that unfortunately fortunately um so yeah, I think um, what I'm most excited about is getting back on the mic. Uh, obviously, you guys can always listen to us. We're uh, live on the radio. Uh, it goes out on Saturdays at 10 Eastern, both on Saga 960 and The Big Talker, and uh, over there on ConsumerChoiceRadio.com, where you can download our podcast version, which was still booming. We had a good number of downloads throughout the holidays, which is good. People are catching up on everything that's happening. And uh, David, since we're kind of united here, um, let's do some international news. Let's just jump into it. I know you've got a couple things that you wanted to discuss. I figure this is perfect for you as you're a sports dude. Yeah, okay, let's hear it. And uh, you're, you're in that kind of world, and you, know, you follow politics a bit, and why not? Let's talk about Australia. Let's play it. Oh, yeah. Novak Djokovic <laughs> touched down safely, but hit turbulence when he tried to clear customs. Rules are rules, and there are no special cases. The world number one was detained by Border Force officers as his vaccine exemption was examined. Novak Djokovic, the world's top-ranked men's tennis player, has been ordered to leave Australia. It's fair to say that this whole incident is just not a good look for tennis or for Djokovic. The Serbian president labelled the intervention harassment of the world's best tennis player, saying Serbia would fight for justice and truth. I came here tonight because I heard that Novak is here at the airport, but he's not allowed to come uh, to Australia, which is really disappointing. Just a day earlier, Djokovic announced he'd been granted permission to play in the Australian Open. It quickly became clear a medical exemption yes. ticked off by the Victorian government wasn't enough for the Commonwealth. He was unable to furnish that proof to the Border Force officers um, uh, at the airport last night. Both governments are now arguing over who's to blame. The Commonwealth issue the visas, we determine who then gets to play in that tournament. As he waited for answers on his status, it's understood Djokovic spent much of the day at an immigration detention hotel in inner Melbourne. Novak! Novak! Freedom for Novak! His exemption was approved by the Victorian government and now suddenly the federal government saying we may have a problem. Now, now come on. Now, so we got some great sports. We've got some Aussie accents. We've got yeah. uh, quarantine hotels. I mean, this is just beautiful. Imagine if you had played. Imagine if you could rewind time and you played that clip to us in January of 2020. <laughs> You'd be like, whoa, wait, what? Quarantine hotels? Vaccine passports? <laughs> It'd just be, just be wild. I mean. 
it's a this is a mixed bag for me and we have this problem here in Ontario where an example would be like professional sports um they're allowed to still use gyms they're allowed to still train and use pools and ice hockey arenas and all of that jazz but ordinary people aren't um and that causes some irritation for normal people because they're like, wow, the virus doesn't care whether you're an NHL player or not. Um, and so it's one of those things where, I mean, and, and this is kind of is also the, the weird nature of international travel these days. I would have, I, I assume he would have required a negative test um, I, in order to, to fly there. So if he's proved that he is not carrying the virus, um, I don't, it's hard for me to see the justification for keeping him away. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it, this is, it's, it's so strange. I understand why people would be get, would get irritated at the disparity because it's like, Oh, are we going to let him do something that normal people can't do just because it's famous? Um, but at the same time, like, what is the public health justification for preventing an athlete from competing if they've proven that they do not have COVID? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you justify that? I don't know. I mean, maybe the the fear that he would get COVID in Australia, but then, I mean, you just let him let him fly private back to Serbia, which is probably how he flew to Australia anyway, um, or cover his own health care costs, if that's the worry. I mean, I don't know. It just uh, seems well, so, I like, see it as Well, it's just about control, and the Australians, we've talked about it from the very beginning, went hardcore, zero COVID, nothing, lockdowns of everything, quarantine hotels, everything else. And then here you have a guy who, um, as far as my, I understand... Is probably pretty fit. Uh, probably doesn't have the the, the you know comorbidities uh, that many people are uh, severely at risk of COVID. Um, you know, more likely are going to be hospitalized. I mean, wh- I think this is the beginning of recognizing just how insane many of these policies are. And we've been going on about this forever, but I I don't know what else there is to do. You highlight these cases. But public health bureaucrats just kind of run policy in every country. So I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to do otherwise. We can't all play tennis in the metaverse. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we are seeing some countries start to shift away. I know Israel has taken, um, I think, all of the red countries off their red list. I think Ireland will now no longer require a negative test to arrive. You just have to prove that you're vaccinated. Um, which I think is probably the more appropriate policy um, in regards to flying. I mean, this is a little different than Novak's case, but I think the, the the thought process in Ireland is, well, you know what, if you're vaccinated and you can show that if by chance you do get COVID, um, you're going to have a cold with Omicron or, or like mild flu-like symptoms, that's not going to overrun the healthcare system, so we don't need to um, we don't need to have these kind of heavy-handed requirements. But um, I it's don't very know. crazy that everyone's uh, mostly the people would always say, you know, we need a universal healthcare system. You know, we need to make sure that everyone's protected. 
But if you're unvaccinated, you're off the list. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I a... think I see this. I read a great, uh, this great article over there at the, um, I don't know what it's called now, but the Star Slate Codex, uh, Scott Alexander. Uh, he's the psychiatrist and, you know, was trying to be doxxed by New York Times and all of that. But he wrote an article that's just about the uh, the movie uh, that you had watched. I haven't watched it yet on Netflix, the Don't Look Up. Oh, and yeah. uh, his point is that basically everyone's running around with contradictions in our head all the time. And that is certainly being underscored by everything COVID-related or climate-related or travel or, you know, what you do in your own life versus what policies are, are kind of being put out. And we have so many contradictions in our head at this point, I don't think many people can, can even follow. And then they're told that the school shut down for their kids or they can't go to the gym and pump iron. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else can we do because you and I, we can go on uh, TV, we can write articles, uh, but we're not going to access the public health bureaucrats who do make very bad decisions and have done so from the very beginning. I, I just don't know what more, what's the next step? Yeah, I mean, I think the the I realized this pretty. It was pretty glaring when um, I flew to Italy. So you have to have a negative test. You have to be double vaccinated. You have to wear a mask, but you can take your mask off to eat. And immediately it was like, oh, this is kind of silly. Like if the mask was was that necessary, which, I mean, masks work, they're great for crowded settings, but, I mean, this is on a plane where everyone's already tested negative and is double vaccinated. Um, if you can take it off to eat, you, you just very quickly realize that this is kind of for show. It's, it's, you, it, it, it just is, it highlights kind of the absurdity and the inconsistency of it all, and, I mean, for me, that just... I have a hard time reconciling that, and there's hundreds of examples of this across the board. Oh, yeah, and I think it's just about risk, and it's basically everything that we do every day at Consumer Choice Center is about ways that we balance risk and allowing people to have some freedom of choice, and this has not been allowed in uh, the COVID regime, unfortunately. And there, you know, a lot of people are just going to start opting out. I know you had said that there's a lot of Canadians who are flying down south. I know there was this party plane, apparently, uh, where people are just uh, boozing and vaping all the way uh, down to Mexico or something like that. And this is a big trend. And I'm seeing more of the Quebec influencers. All these guys are all hanging out in Florida. Uh, my mom went there, not not necessarily for that, but <laughs> still. Well, and, and, and some of the lockdown politicians got busted going there. AOC um seated unmasked with her partner in a florida hotel eric swalwell congressman um doing the same all well kind of well, blaming yeah. republicans swallow well you swallow well you can see that he wanted yeah this guy needs to get out and but he's from california so i guess you know definitely got to get out of there gotta get out of those well, towns. Yeah, but, but this is the thing is like is no one do they not have staffers who said like to be like, hey, that might be a bad look. You've been criticizing Republicans for keeping states too open and relaxing public health measures, and now you're going to go vacation in one of those states that you've been vocal about and ignore the public health recommendations of the state in where you live um, and the District of Columbia. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I could I could understand yeah. if 
they were going to go vacation in Florida, and then you saw them wearing a mask inside, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, they're at least living up to the standards that they advocate for. Um, but it just—it was. I think the the funny thing I saw on Twitter it was like AOC caught vacationing in Free State, Florida, <laughs> and it's like ah, you, someone you're supposed to pay people to make you, to stop you from making those dumb calls. Well, that's just because you want to date me, David. Yeah. Also, what a bizarre comment to say, like why it's so strange yeah like the it's too much cognitive dissonance i i do have a clip uh real quick from our uh, consumer choice radio um uh, i guess we call him our correspondent down there in florida uh florida governor desantis and look just look at what we're seeing now how big of a failure have vaccine passports been okay if vaccine passports succeeded you would not see a lot of the stuff uh, that you're seeing in a lot of states that implemented them and so all it served to do was discriminate against people based on an individual choice, create a two-tiered society. And yes, they are moving, like I said a couple months ago, they are moving to update that to say in some parts they're going to say you need a third shot to be able to do. So, um, so those policies have not worked. And I think ultimately, look, people vote with their feet. I always say I'm so happy with our Floridians. Um, I'm not asking for people to, to, come, to come move because we've got great people. We've got a lot of great stuff going on. I think we're going to do a lot more great stuff. But the fact of the matter is, you know, if you look from July of 2020 to July of 2021, we led the country in where people were wanting to come to. And I think that that's a result of, of protecting people's freedoms and making sure that we had a state worth living in. There you go. Thank you very much, Correspondent DeSantis. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's anecdotal, but the last gym class that I had before this recent lockdown, there were four people in the class who were like, oh, yeah, I booked a trip to Florida with, with no return flight. I'll probably come back after this three-week lockdown. Um, and it was like, oh, okay, this is a real thing. People are just being like, ah, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm just going to enjoy the sun and, and chill on the beach. Well, that's, uh, that's what I think we should all do at some point is get to the beach. And I know we've had a couple of uh, plans to do so ourselves here at the Ososki House. Uh, but we'll be right back here on Consumer Choice Radio. Much more to come for the hour program. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting around the world and across North America. We're back here on the program, covered some nice ground there in the uh, first segment. And uh, David, I know you had some hot press and topics. I know you did a little bit of media uh, over your holiday break, but uh, you, you're bringing some, some stuff to the table and you're ready to surprise me. What you got? Well, there was a, a now fairly viral Substack article from a former CBC employee um, who basically explained why she resigned because the CBC um, <laughs> is no longer a place where liberals uh, feel comfortable. Um, just explaining that... And this the, is the Canadian Broadcasting yes, Corporation. Yes. Um, just explaining that the, the, the organization from a news perspective has become captured by a bunch of very weird niche issues that you could probably use the catch-all term woke to describe um 
And it just, it's kind of reignited the debate, I would say, on the right, because it's it's not a question of, like, is that type of news coverage appropriate or not? Um, but I think it is more, like, should the government be spending a billion dollars on this year? Probably not. Um, and, and they got in some hot water because they published it. <laughs> an opinion article and then had to retroactively like heavily edit it which is very strange for an opinion article um basically where <laughs> the person during the last election was one of the uh, election workers working at the polls and she just basically straight up said well i know that a lot of people who were coming in were voting conservative and that means that they're racist <laughs> and it's like oh i like that that is fine that your it's your opinion, but it is strange that it's a government funded opinion. Um, I'm not sure if I'm on board um, with that. Um, so yeah, the CBC is in hot water. Um, it's it it's not a uniquely. Canadian. It's really strange how much how much we tolerate. Uh, it's funny how much we tolerate uh, this sort of state funded media, and you know people. It's seen as so integral. Uh, you know, we don't really have that in the United States. I mean, obviously, NPR receives some amount of federal funding. It's not very much, but still, we don't really have this public broadcaster, which is the norm in most other countries, particularly in Europe. You definitely have it down in Australia and New Zealand. You have your public broadcaster that receives tax money, and there's a lot of stuff on there that, you know, you're funding. It's the same thing when you're working at a at a job and you're represented by a union and you're required to you know, give your union contribution, and then the union is lobbying for all kinds of crazy things that you probably don't agree with. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah, and it, there's also some other, like, runoff effects here, which are a lot of people maybe don't think about, but they're, they do carry a pretty serious, um, there's some pretty serious consequences. So the CBC runs ads, um, but because they're bankrolled by the government, they get they ba essentially undercut the private sector, um, and I mean that obviously pulls away uh, potential ad money from private broadcasters, and makes it harder for them to operate, which makes the CBC more dominant in the news space, just because they're rolling in the cash, and so it's just such a strange system and it's like wow why i mean why are we why does the government need to take ads like if this truly is a public service just run it ad free do the news keep people informed um all of that jazz but i mean i don't know if crowding out the private sector is really really um a useful uh policy uh, and so, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, a lot of people get very, their backs uh, go up against the wall when you talk about, um, when you talk about maybe changing the funding model or defunding the CBC. But I can't, I can't help but just ask the question, like, why do we do this? Why do we have this? It just seems unnecessary in today's age. Yeah, and surely when you know this institution is not just some um, nonpartisan. Uh, you know, press agency that, you know, just reads the headlines. It actually employs a good number of opinion journalists. There are a lot of them that go on television and give out various points of view that many people would disagree with. 
and I still, I again, it's not any different in many European countries. And there'll always there's a scandal du jour all the time in Austria. It's much the same. The public broadcasting here, ORF, you know, they have their main anchor, and he'll be. Uh, saying that the unvaccinated are evil people and deserve this, this and that. And it's like, eh, okay, that's the guy that everybody's funding, you know, and they're forced to by, by taxes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good to know. I, I think this attitude, though, of free media and competition is just something that for, for some people, they just, at least now, let's say 2022, they assume it's just going to mean Fox News of everything. Yeah. If you yeah. implement well, this. I mean, you also raise another good question of, like, should a public broadcaster be in the opinion game? I don't know. I mean, they could be in the news game, the notable events, weather, and sports game. Um, but I don't know if being in the opinion game is really appropriate. Um, it just makes me feel very strange. And I'm not saying that because I've never published anything with the cbc's opinion page <laughs> you sure about uh, that <laughs> there's no there's no bitterness in my voice given the fact that they've rejected me despite the fact that i've published almost everywhere else but um no i'm not bitter but it, it does raise the question of like okay where the government is going to pay for opinion pieces i don't, I don't know yeah, strange. It's it is in to quote our good friend uh, Bernie Sanders. It is a strange world out there. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, I guess he was a bit low there, but it's a strange world out there. There we go. He's back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lu- luckily, yeah. Luckily, we don't have these. Luckily, we don't have uh, too much of this that that does happen in in the U.S. But here, it's it's obviously bad, and it is the beginning of the year uh, here in Austria, which means that the public broadcaster is sending its goons. Uh, to the doors of the residents here in Austria to collect money for the television tax, uh, the GIS, as they call it. Uh, funny anecdote on that, since we're into anecdotes. Uh, there's a friend of mine who uh, uh, is probably listening right now to this podcast, but uh, he and his uh, spouse had not been paying the TV tax, and uh, they often come to the door and they ask you, do you have a television? Have you watched the public broadcaster? Then you owe us the tax. And for a long time, I believe... Can you say no you, and no? Well, you can, but usually they know. And in this particular circumstance, he happens to have a house where the television faces sort of the outdoor courtyard. So you can kind of see, you can see it that there's a television. <laughs> so you can so see the it. note that they got in the post box was, uh, yeah, you definitely have a television. I'm looking at it right now and it's on. So you owe us this tax. <laughs> oh, it's pretty significant. It can be. It's like thirty thirty euros a month. What? You know, so that's it's a good 40, 40 Canadian dollars a month, which again is being paid for directly and not just taken away in your taxes, like it is with the CBC. So it is more direct, and well, you have you do have a lot of people opting oh out or God. running uh, from the broadcast. Brutal. Oh, yeah. That is brutal. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I've got them knocking on the door. I've got the Catholic Church knocking on my door. Uh, everybody's looking for something, but all they want to do is order my Amazon yeah. and order my groceries, and that's the only people I want to open the door for. And get some meats to smoke on the smoker. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't able to do much more than uh, smoke salmon, uh, cold smoke for the holidays, but uh, still delicious. I am jealous. That, I am jealous that you were able to do that. That sounds delicious. Well, that's an easy thing, David. Not that we're going to turn this into the barbecue hour, um, but <laughs> all you can you can do it as well on your grill. Because you just have like a normal gas grill, correct, outside? 
I do, but I have the issue of uh, because my I have a smaller grill, more suitable for uh, for a condo sized balcony. Um, I'd say anything under minus two, and the barbecue has a very difficult time getting to the temperatures that I need or want to cook. And well, if you're doing if you're doing the salmon, it's cold smoked. So all you need to do is buy a little spiral, and you put the little sawdust in there. Oh! And as long as that thing burns, uh, you're able to ingest your food uh, with all of that smoke. Which with the salmon, you can only do after it's been cured. Yeah. Okay. You know, so putting true. it in salt and sugar for a couple of days, but you can do it. Oh, maybe I'll have to give it a try. Get some cream well, cheese and some bagels. <laughs> yeah, literally. You got nothing else to do. I mean, it was. I kind of saw this lockdown coming, so we ordered a ton of meat. Um, so our our fridge is filled with steaks and sausages and chicken and all that good stuff. And I'm super glad we did because it's like, yeah, what what do you do? I mean, watched pretty much everything on Netflix. Most of my favorite shows, the seasons are over. It's just like, okay, uh, I'll try an online gym class. That's going to be fun. Just picture me jumping around my living room in a stacked condo townhome. It's like no, it, yeah. So maybe, maybe I got to get into this. I love that you mentioned the. I love that you mentioned the fridge because that's another European thing. Is that the fridges here standard are very small? Yeah, that's true. And so it kind of forces you to hit up the grocery store basically every day or every other day. Which I guess for the greens and, and the people who say we all need fresh food. Uh, is great, but you know, if you have a family, it means you waste a lot of time buying stuff. Thankfully, we now have online grocery stores that are actually getting incredibly competitive. I don't know if what it's like where you are, but for us, we've got like two or three websites that have great prices, and they're competing all the time on features. They'll pick up your bottles and they'll you know give you the credit. They've got like baby mode, so they'll just call you. They won't ring the doorbell. COVID mode, they'll leave it at the door. It's uh, it's actually pretty awesome and innovative and cool to see because normally we don't have that much innovation in austria yeah it is it is pretty good um it is pretty good there's there are quite a few options or they're relatively um relatively well priced and you can see who's offering the actual retail price for everything um so like without a margin on the items so you're just paying whatever the fee is um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. We use those things on occasion, Amazon prime, uh, as you are well aware, um, given the amount of times the doorbell rings when you and I are chatting, uh, Amazon prime gets pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well used in this household. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it I thought about this the other day. Imagine, so imagine a pandemic let's say 12 years ago um no food delivery apps no amazon prime just imagine how awful that would be like the only thing you're getting delivered back then is pizza maybe chinese food maybe sushi maybe um now you have pretty much your whole community in terms of restaurants at your fingertips you click of a button you can compare boom you got dinner showing up you can get Thai chicken, you can get some sort of Indian dish, like you can get anything. Um, and then multiply that by the fact that Amazon essentially does that for most items that you would want to buy. Um, so it's, it, 
it's a real game changer because I think a lot of people just forget like what the world used to be like. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that that would really suck right now. Um just not yeah. not being able to to access those things. Um yeah, it would it would not be good. So thank you to the fine folks out there who deliver the things and thank you for the the fine folks out there who make the platforms and programs that allow for those things to be delivered yes sir and uh you know i know we've got a break coming up david but uh, we've got a couple things that i want to hit on i do want to hit you with a headline uh, to start to enrage you before we go to break if that's cool are you cool with that yeah yeah let's do that all right so this has to do with you with where you're living and a topic i know you're passionate about from from bloomberg this was posted five hours ago only 3,200 homes are left on Toronto's market after this year. Toronto, a city, more, a city of more than 6.5 million people, has just 3,200 homes left for sale to start the year after a real estate frenzy fueled by low interest rates drove the market to record levels. So I'm not going to let you comment yet because i got to go to break. But uh, this is coming, David. We'll be right back here on Consumer Choice Radio, and we'll get David's take on the the real estate market in Canada, across North America, and what the hell is happening in Toronto. We'll be right back. And we're back on Consumer Choice Radio. Yael, you hit me with a doozy um, before the break in regards to... Uh, housing in Toronto, Canada's largest city, there being some 3,000 homes left on the market. Uh, that is a ridiculously low number, and it just highlights how undersupplied, how how drastically undersupplied the market is in Canada uh, or in Toronto. And I mean that also is is a fairly generalized comment, but is applicable for other major cities. So for and context, real, again, real quick on the numbers, mm-hmm. more than 121,000 homes were sold in Toronto in 2021, up 28% from the previous year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Average you know selling price the, is $1.1 million. Yeah, that's for all units. The average selling price for what I will say a home you would consider having a family in is closer to one point five. Wow. Oh. Yeah, so like it's just wild, um, and and I mean the thing that bothers me the most is that the federal government's proposals to deal with this do nothing to impact in the the supply problem. I mean they've proposed some new tax free savings account, which I mean me personally. If if it actually gets implemented, could make good use of, um, but that all that does is fuel demand. It 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 uh, opens up um, access to money um, that folks who are our age um, might not necessarily have access to because it's like locked into an RSP or whatever. Um, so, it, but that just fuels demand. Um, they want to go after real estate investment trusts, um, which is, I think, very counterintuitive because those companies who own condos um, have a fiduciary responsibility to generate returns, so they're rented, so it's not like they're removed from the housing stock. Yeah. 
another one is trying to ban blind bidding. Again, does nothing to address supply. And so it just seems like nobody is is looking at how to increase supply. And it's the only way um it's the only way you're gonna ever get to a situation where um where we actually have some downward pressure or even just some some flat some flattening uh in regards to home prices because uh i mean for people who supposedly care about income inequality and generational wealth and all of that jazz this seems to be a pretty huge huge blind spot let's go to consumer corner quick david because i think i have um, at least one interesting example of the real estate investment trust that you mentioned uh, so this is one. Actually, anyone can use this. It's not restricted to the U.S. Uh, so it's Lofty.ai, and what this does is essentially it's a it's a website. Uh, they have a number of companies, and on this website, what they allow you to do is essentially a company, an LLC, will purchase a property, a building, uh, you know, a house or apartment building or something, and they'll offer tokens. Uh, to various people, I think they limit it. Sometimes it's two thousand, sometimes it's three thousand tokens of about fifty bucks each. And essentially, what they do is they buy the property, and then they rent it out, and then you are able to claim a percentage of the rent that you get every month. Oh, okay, very cool. So it's it's very interesting. I've I've purchased one token for fifty dollars because I'm uh, rolling in it. Uh, but I, I don't remember exactly when. I think I got it in September. Uh, and again, $50, and you're talking about, you know, there are, let's say there are 2,000 tokens. Many of the homes are, you know, there, there are some in Ohio, there's some in Chicago, there's some in Michigan, Missouri. Uh, so these are, we'll say up-and-coming real estate markets. They're not on Toronto levels yet, uh, but they're getting there. Uh, but essentially, this site is really interesting. Obviously, it's all on the blockchain. It's using the uh, Algorand uh, chain for this stuff, which doesn't really matter. Uh, it's just sort of the background stuff. So it is somewhat of a crypto innovation. Uh, but uh, basically, with this one home, which I own a percentage of, I own 0.04% of this house in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so far, my rental income is a whopping 83 cents oh nice nice generating returns yeah, a little yeah. bit <laughs> but like hey that. you know you compare that you compare that to how much people are getting in their you know savings account with the interest rate i I've, i'm doing okay well, i mean the interest yeah i mean the interest rate on a savings account at the bank is near nothing now um, and i've had i've but, had that question a while and you you mentioned the tax-free savings account i mean this is a big thing for consumers particularly when we're in an age of inflation what are people supposed to do? You can buy Bitcoin, you can buy gold, you can invest in the market. Uh, I've been looking a lot into the Canadian uh, savings accounts and, and some of the tax-free savings accounts that you mentioned. I didn't know about the, the new one that is being dangled in front of citizens. I'm interested to learn about that. Uh, but yeah, there really aren't too m Yeah, actually, let's, let's do the backstory because I think tax-free savings accounts, in the US we have the Roth IRA, uh, Europe has none of these at all, actually, because most people get public pensions or just live on Social Security. So what is this new tax-free savings thing up in, uh, up in the Great White North? Yeah, it's the tax-free home savings account, which would allow for you to put your money into it, 
and withdraw upwards of 40,000 with no obligation to repay. So right now there's, um, so for RRSPs, which is your registered retirement savings plans, um, if, if you're withdrawing, you can withdraw it um, for no financial penalty up to 35,000. Um, but you have but to also, but when you're retired or before? No, yeah. So basically it's a retirement savings plan, um, that, that you get, there are tax incentives to con, uh, contribute to. So your, your tax, um, amount owed goes down, um, not that much, but a little bit, um, depending on how much you can put in. Um, so, but if you withdraw, uh, you have to pay the income tax on that money. But if you withdraw it to put it down on a house, you don't have to pay the income tax on that money, um, but you have to pay it back over 15 years. And so this is like a weird alternative to that. Now, this is where I get, I'm curious because I still don't have the details on how this would work. So it's, it's it, in my, in my eyes, it's a new separate account, but if I can't move money from existing accounts, well, then this new free home savings account really means nothing until I can save enough to actually have $40,000 in there, which in this economy is going to be going to be a long time. So it's like, well, I mean, why? This is so silly. It just doesn't make uh, it doesn't make any sense in the context of trying to make housing more affordable. Um, and I see it. It's on the Liberal uh, Party website, yes. uh, Liberal Party of Canada. So we have uh, Justin Trudeau's face, a new tax-free first home savings account. Okay, under 40 to save up to $40,000 towards their first home, which, which what, is going to be 0.5%, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Any bank can accept that? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, it, it it could help. Um it could help if I think the only re- way it would help is if you are allowed to move locked in money into it without any penalty. Otherwise, it's a savings account that really won't bear any fruit for a very long time because for most millennials, saving an additional 40 grand uh, is no easy feat. So it's like, okay, cool. So this, this may, uh, in theory, make it easier to access cash in five, seven, nine years. Um, but if you're not doing anything in regards to supply, that just means that buyers have more cash, which puts yeah. upward pressure on prices. So it may actually do the opposite. Um, it, it, it will have increased access to cash. But if all buyers are in that same boat with limited supply, well, prices are still going to continue to skyrocket, and you're you're in big trouble. And I know that a lot of people are very upset about capital gains taxes, and always want them to be much higher. Uh, but if you just look at it realistically, because I've been comparing accounts in the U.S. and Canada and across Europe, if you want to invest money for your kids, which is what I'm trying to do right now, there's literally no option in uh, at least in Europe, nothing to where you could just put money in tax free. And whatever those gains are, not have to pay taxes on it. There's no way. You need to pay the gains every year, even if you don't take it out. 
Oh, that's an unrealized tax. That's the that's the worst type of tax you could ever have. It, it is, and I've I've looked into. We might have to talk to our colleague Bill Vietz on this. There is yeah. a European plan to do a kind of harmonization, uh, but because every member state has its own tax, you know, regime, they don't necessarily want to harmonize that. It's just kind of insane, and it's left people more dependent on these government programs to save money, which should not be the case. And I don't understand if you've already made money, you've already been taxed, you've already paid your, you know, whatever your income tax, why you then invest that money goes up in the market, you have to pay tax again. Well, yeah, I mean, the the whole idea of taxing unrealized gains is so silly because you haven't made the money yet, right? And it implies that that it will owe it. So let's say you make an investment and come December 31st of a few weeks ago, it's um, it's up 10%. So they're going to make you pay tax on that. But then something happens and three weeks later, it's down below the original price that you bought it at. And it's like, well, you paid taxes on gains that you never realized. You never got the money. Um, and so it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all because you haven't cashed out. You, you If you want to have people pay taxes when they make profits that's fine but they actually have to make the profits they can't, they can't be hypothetical profits that haven't been cashed out yet i mean it just seems uh nonsensical um to me oh yeah and we're going to see this a lot more with many of the crypto accounts um it's going to be tax time soon uh, a lot of people are, are kind of already scrambling to make sure they get all their statements and declare everything correctly and make sure that they don't have an error because if you make an error on your tax documents, you know, that could be a big oh, deal down the line. You. They'll get you. Oh, yeah. Government will get you. Could mess up your credit rating. All kind of bad things that could happen. But again, the rules are very unclear. And, I, you know, in this economy, how are people supposed to save money? It's just pushing people to buy uh, cryptocurrencies. Or gold. Well, if, if, yeah. If, if as I clutch my my gold coin in my hand, yeah. <laughs> if if inflation does continue to to go upwards, you'll see you'll certainly see more of that. And as your buying power goes on or goes down, this has been. I mean, food inflation is like the prime example of this, where everything's getting more expensive, and people are really feeling inflation. Um, but if that continues to spread throughout the economy, and you're seeing the devaluation of of what you can buy. Um, it it does get you to reevaluate where you put your savings, and so I could see, um, I could see a continued upward swing for the crypto folks and the gold bugs uh, out there. And uh, how I guess our parents' generation always saw saving money is yeah, obviously savings accounts they had a higher interest, but it was also in property. Mm-hmm. And if we're not even able to afford the property, yeah, you know, we can't even get in on that deal. Oh no. sure, you can you can buy a shack, you know, for uh, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, you can pay on that, and maybe that'll be worth a bit more in the future. I don't but... think one hundred and fifty would get you a parking spot in Toronto. Not See, even. And I'm saying spot. that, like, actually, seriously, I don't think it would get you a parking spot. Oh man, that's <laughs> sad. Something's going on here. Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, we got to have alternatives, you know. We got to start opening up land in El Salvador or uh, Estonia or something else, man, because people are being driven out. And you know, the thing is, is I'm fairly well read on this stuff. I've researched it a lot. I'm, I'm a little educated, and I still find it incredibly complex and hard. And I don't know how I would do. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's been a great show, Yael. Uh, it's good to be back on the mic. Uh, a new year. Um, not starting off great, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe things will turn up eventually. And uh, more great episodes to come, more great guests. So continue to tune in to Consumer Choice Radio. Yeah, and we'll, we'll do one in person here very soon once, uh, you know, all these barriers are down and we're able to meet. Yes. Perhaps it'll be on the beaches of Cuba. Oh, there we go. <laughs> great. <laughs>